You're listening to the Running with the Herd podcast, powered by Her Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. Interviews, commentary, and analysis from Marshall coaches, players, and insiders. And now, the Running with the Herd podcast. Aaron Coleman here in the Run with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. And we're here with John Duncan of the Blazers Victory podcast to talk a little bit about the UAB Blazers as they prepare to take on the Marshall Thundering Herd on Saturday. John, welcome to the podcast. Aaron, thanks for having me on, man. And, you know, we were just talking uh, before we started recording and just can't wait to uh, see what happens uh, up there in Huntington this Saturday. You know, we it felt like, you know, we just had this matchup a few months ago last December um, with uh, two, you know, very different teams, you know, yes. than what, they, what both teams are really this year. You know, of course, with Marshall, you know, with the new coach, with Charles Huff, you know, he's doing good things there already for the herd. And, you know, UAB's got some, New guys also, you know, we've got a, uh, you know, running back, our, our, our main guy, Dwayne McBride, you know, he played a little bit in last year's game, but, you know, he's getting the bulk of the carries now this year since Spencer Brown left, and just excited to see, you know, these two teams uh, square off this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, uh, John, and I'll tell you what, um, when you look at UAB, one of the things that I think about when I think about the Blazers is consistency and you think about the coaching staff with Bill Clark and what he's built down in Birmingham. Talk to us a little bit about how uh, he's built the program and how um, this season has gone for the Blazers thus far. Man, well, just you know, speaking on the program that Bill Clark has built and continues to build. You know, we just got this really nice stadium that mm-hmm. we unveiled this year, Protective Stadium. So finally, uh, got to get in that. Um, but you know, this. Clark has done a, a great job just recruiting uh, his guys for this team and, you know, keeping guys, his guys on the coaching staff. You know, he's done a great job with that. Now, this year, um, we, we've had a, um, a couple off losses, especially, you know, going back a couple, a few weeks ago to the Rice game. Really, honestly, just one of Clark's worst losses that he's had since he, you know, has been at UAB in 24. Just really a head-scratching loss. Um, but but for the most part, you know, you take away that game, and you know UAB has uh, shown that they can be you know one of the top teams in Conference USA again. So you talked a little bit about uh, UAB being banged up in key positions. One of those positions is the quarterback. There seems to be a lot of uh, injuries there. Can you tell us a little bit about where UAB is as far as the signal caller? Uh, as far as quarterback, you Correct. said yeah. Yes, um, so Dylan Hopkins, yeah, he's he's going to be the starter this Saturday. Um, now, you know, Tyler Johnston, uh, who, you know, heard fans saw in last year's championship game, um, he's healthy, but, you know, Dylan Hopkins took over um, a few games ago as the starter, and they really, you know, just rode him this this uh, whole season after, after Tyler went down. Um, he got injured in the Georgia game, um, but really, I mean, the coaching staff has just given, you know, 100% confidence in Dylan Hopkins. There were some points uh, in uh, last week's game against Louisiana Tech that I was almost wondering if they were going to pull Hopkins and put Tyler Johnston back in because we all know that he is healthy now and he's ready to go whenever. 
but they continue to be confident in Dylan Hopkins. And and I will say, Aaron, that you know Dylan Hopkins' play has has gotten um, better. Now, you know, I did just mention in the Louisiana Tech game there were a couple of uh, plays that he really held onto the ball too long and just took some really unneeded sacks in that ball game and also threw one really bad pass uh, that was picked off. Um, but other than that, I mean, Dylan seems to be the guy. And, you know, they're going to continue to ride with him the, the rest of the season, I believe. Interesting. I mean, considering that Tyler Johnston was an experienced starter and a quarterback of a couple of different championship teams for the Blazers in the past, it's interesting that they're going with the younger guy there. But speaking of younger guys, you mentioned him in the open. Dwayne McBride seems to really have taken over at that running back position. Talk to us a little bit about him and what he brings to the table in taking over for Spencer Brown, who was key to the Blazers' win from last year. Oh yeah, Dwayne McBride, man, he's he's the guy. You know, he's he's still um, he, he, Spencer Brown. You know, they were able to feed him, you know, twenty twenty five carries a game. Uh, Dwayne McBride still he's still not up to that uh, level as of now. But they've shown, you know, they can give him 10 to 15 carries a ball game. And my goodness, I, I don't know if any Herd fans was able or were able to watch the Louisiana Tech game this past Saturday, but he just completely ran over uh, the Bulldogs. Like, he, he just, you know, he ended up getting over 200 yards, four touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, just looked like <laughs> a man that was on a mission and he couldn't be stopped. And you've got to give a lot of kudos to that offensive line for UAB that has struggled at times, you know, in this. 2021 season and heading into the 2021 season that was you know supposed to be UAB's you know tagline that they were supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in conference USA and it it seems that you know this past Saturday things started to click and you know Debo as they like to call Dwayne McBride that's his nickname Debo was able to get going and show that uh you know, that breakaway speed and just the power to just bulldoze people over. And that's definitely what UAB is going to be looking to do in Huntington this Saturday is to feed him, you know, 15 times at least uh, and just see if he can get some uh, yards after um, contact on that Marshall Thundering Hurricane. Yeah, and uh, last question here about the offense before we switch to the defense here, John. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me about last year's championship game was in the receiving core, particularly Trey Shropshire and uh, the way that he was able to high point the ball and kind of make those contested catches down the field and then do something with it after the catch. Talk to us a little bit about the receiving core and how they've adjusted to a new quarterback and how they've kind of uh, made their mark this season. Oh, yeah. Well, Trey Shropshire is still here, um, so you can expect uh, you know that to be the number one target for Dylan Hopkins uh, this Saturday afternoon in Huntington. But really a guy that's uh, just come on strong this year is Garrett Prince, our tight end. I mean, he's got seven touchdowns, over 471 yards catching, just coming on strong. You know, I, Bill Clark, you know, they, and, and, and Brian Vincent's offense, they love to utilize the tight end. But especially this year with Garrett Prince and also Hayden Pittman, just both um, really good, uh, not only blockers, you know, for the run game, 
but finding some space, sitting down and catching the ball and getting yards after the catch. And, and that's something that Garrett Prince has done very well um, in this 2021 season. Uh, another guy to uh, keep your eye for her fans to keep their eye on it would be uh, Rajay Johnson Sanders. Uh, he was a high level uh, Juco uh, commit that UAB got a couple years ago. He seems to now find find his role in this offense. He had a couple of huge plays in the Louisiana Tech game. Uh, this past Saturday and just was able to show his breakaway speed um, on a 60-yard catch. But, I mean, just really finding his role in the offense. But definitely, you know, Trace Robshire is still the number one guy, so they will uh, try to uh, beat that herd uh, defense over the top with Trace Robshire um, this Saturday, hopefully, um, because I know that the herd is definitely, you know, they're going to try to, Number one, stop the run with Dwayne McBride, and that's what you have to do against the UAB offense is stop that run and force UAB to be, to be one-dimensional. Um, so definitely look looking forward to uh, that this Saturday. Yeah, a brief look at the defense for UAB and uh, some of the key guys there that Herd fans should keep an eye on. Yeah, man, well, uh, of course, um, you know, some guys up front uh, – Kelly Sanders on the edge, um, very uh, dynamic player. Um, also, Alex Wright on the edge as well, but we still don't know if Alex Wright is going to be able to play this Saturday, um, as well as Fish McWilliams don't, uh, on the inside on the defensive line. Don't know if he's going to be available. Uh, and, you know, like I alluded to earlier, Aaron, this, this defense, is, the defense especially is beat up, you know, in the secondary and uh, up front. Um, so I am very uh, – eager to see you know who who makes the trip up to Huntington and who gets to to play but but some guys that definitely are going to play is a you know leading tackler Noah Wilder a middle linebacker um huge in uh stopping the run um on the defensive side of the ball um you know he missed the first half of the Louisiana Tech game due to a targeting call in the second half of the Rice game um and Louisiana Tech was able to uh get their run game established in the first half but once he came uh to play in the second half we kind of slowed down their running game um, but um, some other guys, Starling Thomas, cornerback in the secondary, um, really talented uh, young cornerback. Uh, he, he should do good things. Um, and just, you know, Keandre swoops as well. Um, but, but really, man, to answer your question, I just I, – I can't – you know, I don't know who's going to be making the trip up, whether Alex Wright will make the trip or if Fish McWilliams will be making the trip up to Huntington. But we're definitely going to need uh, a couple of those guys that have been banged up. And Mac McWilliams in the secondary also, hopefully he can make the trip. But I, I just don't know. You know, this defense has been so banged up, especially in the secondary. Um, you know, we, we Chris Mole um, is out for the year. TD Marshall is out for the year. So just, just a really banged up defense. And honestly, but you can kind of tell looking at the stats that – it hasn't been the best of years for UAB's defense. And, you know, Bill Clark hangs his hat on always having a good defense. You know, they've been a top 10 defense the last few years. But this year, you know, they have taken some steps back. But I, I would put a lot on that and just being banged up, man. Um, and, you know, also not getting your bye week into the eighth week of the season kind of hurt too. But, hey, it is what it is. You got to play ball. Yeah, for sure. And from the outside's perspective, looking on uh... – at Marshall, you alluded to it in the open. They have a new coach in uh, Charles Huff. They have a four-game winning streak heading into this game. It's also 75 week, which is the remembrance of the 1970 plane crash that took 75 lives. So the herd's going to come in with a lot on the line. They're also going to come in uh, with a lot of emotion as well. 
talk to us a little bit about what you see from an outsider's perspective when you've seen any uh, Marshall games this year and kind of what they bring to the table. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched a few uh, Marshall games uh, this year. I was able to watch the FAU game uh, last week. I saw the app game. Um, I've seen a couple others. But, I mean, this is a talented ball team. You know, you, you know when you play Marshall that they're going to have talent. And, you know, they did last year as well. This year, um, you still got Grant Wells. Um, you know, we saw him last year in the championship game. Um, he, he, he can, you know, when Grant Wells is on, I mean, he's very tough to beat. Hopefully, we're able to force him into some bad mistakes, you know, which uh, we were able to do some in the Conference USA Championship game last year. But one guy that really stands out that I know everybody in the country has been talking about this guy, but Rasheen Ali, yep. you know, 18 total touchdowns running back for Marshall. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Aaron, and, you know, this is what I, I told uh, Grant Trailer on our podcast uh, when I interviewed him. You know, when, when, we, when we knew that Marshall was going to be on our schedule for this year and next year in the Conference USA slate, um, I said, well, hey, at least we don't have to play, you know, Brandon Knox again. And then, Lord behold, here goes Rasheen Ali. And he's like, oh, my goodness, man, this guy looks to be, I mean, even better than, you know, Brandon Knox was. So I, I'm definitely uh, excited to uh, see how UAB's uh, front uh, on the defensive side of the ball stacks up against that run game uh, for Marshall. But even looking at the other side of the ball with uh, Marshall's defensive line, those four guys up front, they know we know that they can get after the quarterback uh, very easily and, you know, um, pressure. So that honestly, th- that's what's going to be the key for this ball game is who, which team is going to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I am definitely excited to see what happens this Saturday afternoon. I am too, John. Thank you very much for joining us here in the podcast. We certainly appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again if these teams were to link up again in the Conference USA Championship game. Hey, let's do it, Hey, and hopefully we can have it over here in Birmingham this time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, John. Hey, thanks, Aaron, so much. I'm always a pleasure. Welcome back to the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. And I'm here with Paul Swan, who covers Marshall for ESPN down in Huntington, West Virginia. Paul, welcome to the podcast. That's finally here. I'm excited. I know we've been trying to do this for a few weeks, but I'm excited. I'm finally here. Yeah, you are. And I tell you what, Marshall has been rolling these past few weeks. They've won four straight. Uh, They had a very big win over FAU down in Boca. They seem to be clicking on defense, which is probably the biggest thing because, you know, when you're able to stop people, good things can happen. First, let's lead off with that Marshall defense. Talk to us a little bit about how they've been able to get after the quarterback, get some timely turnovers, and make things happen so that they can set up their offense in a good position. I think what has happened is the first few weeks, Coach Huff has talked about this. New defense, offense was a little bit ahead of the defense as far as learning the terminology, learning the schemes, schematics. And to be honest, even with that said, Marshall was an opportunity or had an opportunity to win all the games they lost. Mistakes, turnovers, the Hurts cleaned that up a little bit. And now you look at what Marshall's been able to do. Uh, This has been truly the bend but don't break offense. They're trading touchdowns for field goals uh, more so now. I really think cleaning it up, getting this team on the same page has really helped not just an individual performance, but just making those mental mistakes go away a little bit more. 
Yeah, and one of the other aspects that's really been key to the successful run for the Herd so far during this later part of the season has been their special teams. They've gotten some key returns from guys like Jaden Harrison, the Vanderbilt transfer. Willie Johnson has stepped into that punt returner role after Talit Keaton went out. Talk to us a little bit about how special teams has been key for the Herd during this four-game winning streak. If you were listening to Coach Huff the other day on his his presser, he basically said that all he wanted done was just come out, field the ball, we'll, we'll get a look at what they're going to throw at us. Instead, he's running down the sideline just like you and I are probably excited for a 99-yard touchdown return. And I think those are just some of the good things that we're seeing from this team because, again, not making the mistakes. They're not struggling or scratching their head. Okay, are we in the right position here? But uh, really, I think this even carries over from the years past where Marshall prided itself on special teams, mm-hmm. making sure that you know, it had the best special teams unit out there. I think Coach Huff has done a really good job of carrying that over and making sure that you're winning that battle because. If you're deep in your own end, you're not fielding the ball, or if you're not getting good plays there, it's going to be a little bit harder. As prolific as Marshall has been offensively as of late. So uh, I'm with you. I think special teams maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves. Yeah, and they've also been very good on kick coverage as well. When they are running down to uh, cover a punt or cover a kickoff, the uh, unit as far as kick coverage has also been strong for the herd in terms of making sure that the opponent has a long field and that they uh, wrap up those uh, ball carriers to make sure that, you know, everything is good on their end and that they are working with a long field. So that's definitely good to see. One of the things that I've also noticed about one of those returners who's done well on offense this year is a Willie Johnson. Now, last year's coach, longtime head coach Doc Holliday said that when you have guys playing their best ball as seniors, or in Willie's case, a six-year senior, you usually have good things happen with your football team. Talk a little bit about how Willie has kind of stepped up his game and been that leader for the Marshall Thundering Herd, not only in the receiving core, but also on special teams as well. I think he's a player that we're excited as fans to see. Yep. He's out there. So one, we're feeding off that energy. Punt returns, he's getting the most of them out there. He's got 99 yards. You look at kickoff returns, and sure, you can talk about Jaden Harrison. You can talk about Rasheen Ali, but right there is uh, Willie Johnson. You always got to worry about him there. Receiving, he's out there. He's not the top receiver, but he's just right there. You got to worry about him. You, you got to keep an eye on him because he is averaging 30.2 yards a game. And you want to keep him in the game energized because I think he does bring you that veteran leadership. He brings you that potential. Don't sleep on him. If you're the opposing team and you're looking at this and you're seeing Corey Gamage, like, okay, you got to account for him. you got to account for Shadid. you got to account for Xavier. Okay, Rasheen, you got to make sure you know where he's at on the field, passing attack, running attack. And then you see Willie. And if you overlook him, that's where you're going to get hurt because I think he's that capable of just exploding at any time. Yeah, certainly. And he definitely likes playing in the state of Florida, which is his home state. He 
definitely showed out against FAU in that game. I believe it was a career high in yardage for Willie in that game with 140 yards receiving. So hopefully he carries that performance over to UAB. One of the main things that was talked about in Coach Huff's presser from over this past week, or this current week, I should say, is the fact of um, they're not really thinking too much about last year's championship game, the result of that. They're more focused on just going out, executing the game plan, and doing what they need to do in order to keep this winning streak going. Just talk to us a little bit about um, their preparation, if you could, for UAB and just what they're looking at in terms of the Blazers this year. I think consistency is where it begins for Coach Huff. He remarked that last year's film really doesn't do anything for him because he wasn't here. He doesn't know what information the team had. He doesn't know what the players were being told by the coaches. He doesn't have any of those details. So that was last year's team. That's a good approach. He's familiar enough with UAB from past game film of this season to know what they're about. Don't need to go relive that because it doesn't give him anything new or useful. Now, the players, I think some of them will remember see on film like a Grant Wells, okay, there's some familiarity here. It's a different team, but there's some things that we recognize, and we're a different team as well. But I don't think that the game itself last year has any value here because, one, there's so much more going on. So to keep this team focused, I think you lock in on just game prepping for this week, not worrying about what happened last year. Sure, you lose the championship. I get that, but that's over. Don't worry about that. Focus on what this team is about, what this team is going to try to do against you, and I think it's going to be run versus run in this one this week because if you look about you know, Dwayne McBride, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a uh, this is a heck of a running back. Coach Huff called him real five times when he described him. He was real. And I think there's so much more going on with the focus on – why this game is important, it's the 75 game. Yep. And so I think the best strategy here is to just block that noise out. Okay, so you played last year, you lost a championship. Now, last year's team, this is this year's team. Focus on this game. Use that emotion a little bit. Use that as a tool, but don't, don't ride it into this game. Don't worry about that. Focus on here and now. Stop Dwayne McBride. Stop him. Focus on what else they do. And remember what this game is about. This is about honoring the 75. How do you do that? And Coach Huff, I, I really appreciate how he attacks it. You, know, you, you, you honor them by going out and performing. Yep. That's it. You just go out and you perform. You do the very best you can. And you're a good player. You listen to your coaching, you, you, you game plan, you do everything that a football team is supposed to do to get ready for an opponent. And I know we're not talking X's and O's here because I really don't think you need to talk X's and O's this week. These guys know what this is about. And I also appreciated what Coach Huff said about I'm letting them teach me because he hasn't been here through this. He didn't want to change it. And so veterans like a Willie Johnson, like a Grant Wells, so many players, a Kobe Cumberlander, 
They've been through these games. They know how to prepare. So I think really you're going to see the players do more of the prep work this week to get Coach and his staff up to speed on how you handle this week. I'm really not worried about how Marshall handles his business this week. It's very interesting and very refreshing, Paul, that you bring that up because a lot of good teams kind of police themselves and kind of run themselves in a way, especially when you have a game of this magnitude, when you talk about 75-week and you talk about the emotions and everything that goes into that. Now, if you remember during 2016 when Marshall had a down year, they were 3-9, and nine, they came out and they beat Middle Tennessee 42-14 to 14 during that 75 game. You don't have to get these guys to play hard for this particular game on the date that falls closest to November 14th. If you have to motivate a guy to play hard in that game, yep, then they probably shouldn't be playing. I go back to what Doc did a few years ago. He basically said, look, if you put that 75 on your helmet, you put that decal on, you better be prepared because that means something here. And Coach talked about it this week as far as he's been in some big games in his coaching career, and this is different. This this has a different feel to it, a different level to it, a different importance to it. And he, he was talking about being in a whiteout at Penn State and some other big games. I mean, big-time national television games, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. And he understands the gravity of the situation, and I think he's getting that because, one, the importance it is to the community, but the players, they're the ones that understand the most because they're putting that 75 on. They they get it without the young thundering herd, which, by the way, that's a team that I think sorely gets underappreciated uh, and overlooked a lot. Yeah, this is uh, this is more for the, the thundering herd and the young thundering herd now to remember them as well. And without everything that transpired after the plane crash, these young men are not there today, and they know it, and they understand it, and they get it. It's important to them. And if they win, lose, I eventually they're going to lose this game. I mean, that's just a mathematical fact. You hope that's not the case, but they're going to lose this game one day on this date or close to this date. But how they come out is what I'm most concerned about. If they come out ready to go and they believe that on this game or this date no one can come in and beat them, I'm pretty confident in that, and I do. I do appreciate the fact that they get it. They don't. You know, they don't just put it on. It's not just dressing. Hey, look at us. It's okay. This means something here, and if we're going to do this, we better do it right. Certainly, definitely, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, when you look at the four-game winning streak in and of itself, Paul, I think that the biggest changing factor in Marshall's season happened in the final seconds of that Old Dominion game on homecoming. I was at that game. It was an ugly game for 58, 59 minutes. And then Grant Wells found Willie Johnson for that long pass to tie the game. And then he ended up waking up and he found Shadid Ahmed for what would be the game-winning score. What do you think was the changing moment that kind of turned Marshall's season around, so to speak, because there was a time where they lost three straight and they were kind of trying to find themselves. What do you think was something behind the scenes, if you know, 
that kind of changed things for, for the Thundering Herd? I think they just got sick and tired of shooting themselves in the foot. Honestly, I, I think they realized finally that the losses, even though they're against good teams, the losses could have been victories if Marshall as a team, as players, I'm not going to, I don't want to steal from Marvin Lewis, but do your job. And so I, I really think that they finally figured out in the back of their mind that if, if they go out and do what they're supposed to do and not quit, and I, I think that's part of it, they didn't quit. They didn't quit in Appalachian State game. They didn't quit in the Middle Tennessee game. They didn't quit against East Carolina. And they didn't quit against Old Dominion. And so once they figure that out, that if they can do what is being asked of them, they can make it happen. I mean, I, I know that kind of sounds like, okay, you know, they had a moment and all of a sudden they magically started winning. But I really think they just got tired of losing and realized, okay, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We're killing ourselves here. Think about how good we would be if we would just go out there and get it right. And I think that's where um, – you know, having some time together as well. Because, honestly, I mean, I think playing Navy was great and playing NC Central was great, but East Carolina, Appalachian State, and Middle Tennessee, that was adversity. And I think they finally figured out how to get, get through the adversity and realize uh, they're better than that record. And so here we are. Yeah, and when you take a look at how they played against App State in Boone, it just goes to show you that you know, this team can go toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody, you know, on their level and, and do the right things. All they have to do is just play mistake-free football. And if they do that, more often than not, they will come out on top. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're if you're playing clean, mistakes are going to happen. But if you're playing clean and mm-hmm. you're playing up to your potential, you're going to be successful. Now, will they win every game? Probably not. But if they are playing up to their potential and they're not getting beat by themselves, and I think that's what it, it all comes down to. Marshall beat itself in these three losses. Give Middle Tennessee credit, Appalachian State credit, East Carolina credit. Good, good teams, all of them. But Old Dominion, when Marshall kept getting it going, finally figuring it out, whatever it was, and just got to that point where you, you sent it to overtime, you went into overtime, you realize, okay, this is what it looks like, sloppy and bad as it is, this is what it looks like when we don't beat ourselves. We overcome this adversity. And then you saw how successful and well-prepared this team was for North Texas, FIU, FAU. It's all starting to come together. It's, it's really clicking. And yeah, I think UAB is going to be a tough challenge in Charlotte and Western Kentucky, but yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if Marshall wins out and gets into the conference championship game. All right. And uh, last question for you, kind of switching gears just a little bit. Um, a couple weeks ago, it was announced by uh, Marshall administration, new president Brad Smith, as well as interim athletic director Jeff O'Malley, uh, that Marshall was going to be joining the Sun Belt. And I think personally, Paul, that is a win-win not only for the university, the Huntington community, all the sports teams across the board, men's sports, women's sports, etc. But it's also a win-win for the fans, too, because they get a chance to 
go and meet up with some of their old Southern Conference rivals in kind of like a beefed up Southern Conference. Now, I'm a little bit younger than most of uh, some of our listeners, so I do not remember a lot of the Southern Conference days, but I do know that the Sun Belt days that are ahead are going to be solid for the herd in terms of not only um, athletic competition and competitiveness, but also across the board for the fans. Talk to us a little bit about a, bit, a little bit about the move, what it means for everybody. All right, first of all, Aaron, I'm I'm finally excited that someone else has asked me this question because I've been just like, spounding my my thoughts on this for two or three weeks here, and I can go another two or three weeks because I just am so excited for Marshall from a standpoint of what you just mentioned. It's a more Southern-based league. Mm-hmm. You have like-minded institutions. You have trips that you can travel to. You don't have to necessarily take a flight to Boone. You probably can't take a flight to Boone most places. But you can get to these destinations. Your travel, if you do need to take a flight, it's not going to be that bad as far as fans are concerned. You have old rivals with Appalachian State and Georgia Southern that Long-time Herd fans will remember instantly Appalachian State just got a, a really good win against you, so that's going to fire that up a little bit. Uh, I remember the days of Marshall and Georgia Southern because Georgia Southern was a force in its heyday and then won AA. It was a force. It was like a Youngstown State. It was like a Marshall. It was a competitive program. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have these familiar programs and then you have coastal carolina which i think that's going to be a a great trip for herd fans and that's a program that has done amazing things uh, in a short period and then you have the familiarity with one old dominion yep i love i love old dominion's potential i think that james madison is a no-brainer will bring value to its conference, uh, whatever conference it's in, and of course at the Sun Belt here in a couple of seasons. And then with the addition of Southern Miss, I've always felt, Aaron, that if Southern Miss is good, your conference is better. Yeah. I've always felt that about that program. It's, it's always one of those that can elevate your program or your conference when it's good. So if Southern Miss is really good in football, it's going to elevate the Sun Belt even more because I just think it has that ability, and that's just the aurora, the, the 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 effect, the, the afterglow of a successful Southern Miss. It just brings everyone else up, and it's such a history there. Yeah, and I'm excited for schools like yeah. You know, I don't know too much about yeah you know, some of the new schools, but I remember Troy a lot. I, I know that's going to be fun. I remember playing JMU uh, back in the day for herd fans, so I'm excited about that. And you know what? Arkansas State and some of these other schools, I'm, I'm learning to love them real quick because I think there's going to be a collection of schools that like to be in the same conference, seem to have a, uh, a potential here to form some new rivalries, some old rivalries, and seem to like each other as far as a collective. Not only just... You know, are the Sun Belt schools pretty happy together uh, in the conference? But as a collective, it seems like Sun Belt fans and Sun Belt programs are excited, more so excited for Marshall, JMU, 
for Old Dominion, for Southern Miss. I feel that this is going to be just a better fit all, all around. And, yeah, I, I loved the Southern Conference when I was a kid. I grew up on Southern Conference, Marshall, and it was always fun. And let me tell you, those rivalries against Appalachian State, boy, it's uh, if Marshall can get it back up with them, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for it, too. And uh, just to end here, um, you know, to say to echo what you said about Southern Miss, I told this to our other guest on the podcast, John Duncan from the Blazer Victory Podcast, to get the UAB side of things. I think when Will Hall gets that thing turned around over in Hattiesburg, I think that it'll make the Sun Belt even better. Now, you know, this year they're kind of going through some struggles. But I think once he kind of gets a hold of it, gets his players in there, I really think they're going to add a lot to that conference. I really do. I think those are going to be exciting. There's a lot of tradition there, a lot of history. And you can look forward to seeing them on ESPN or ESPN Plus, not Stadium Facebook or CBS Sports Facebook or or Twitter or Twitch or whatever. You'll actually see where – a proper television package is going to energize your fan base because you're not, you know, I'm not sitting there looking for the game uh, close to kickoff. Yeah, I know where it's going to be ESPN network or ESPN plus. It's going to be easy to find. Yep. It'll be easy to find and it'll be a very easy travel for uh, the media, uh, yourself, myself included. And uh, it should be a exciting time for all herd fans everywhere. Paul, great stuff. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I certainly appreciate it. We ought to do this more often, and uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Running with the Herd podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at RWithTheHerd and also at Herd Nation. Also like us on Facebook at Running with the Herd and at Marshall Thundering Herd at Herd Nation. Thanks again, and go Herd.